This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to another episode of Moments That Rock. I'm your host, Tony Michaelidis, and if you haven't gathered by now, these are now weekly. So instead of having two guests per show, we have one guest per show. Today's guest, Al Satawai. Al is a renowned photographer for many years, but as per usual with this uh, podcast, which is part of the uh, Pantheon Group of Podcasts, incidentally, which is all music-related podcasts, so go and check some others out. And we'll let the guests introduce themselves. My name's Al Satterwhite. I'm a photographer since I was uh, 17 years old. I started out in the newspapers and uh, migrated into magazines for about 12 years and then moved into advertising for another 12 years and then moved into shooting TV commercials, music videos, feature films. And now I kind of do a little of everything, but mostly I'm working on uh, printing photographs from my galleries and working on book projects. So that's kind of it in a nutshell. I've been doing this for about 50, 50 plus years. So you're going to stick at it then? (laughs) (laughs) I'm not changing horses in (laughs) midstream. Is there any particular um, favorite kind of photography on your part? Well, no, the great thing I I probably learned in the newspapers was we did everything. And 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 it kind of stayed with that when I got into editorial and magazines and even in advertising. So I like doing a variety of stuff. I like shooting. I prefer mostly to shoot people, but I like shooting people. I like shooting cars. I like shooting animals and action and, you know, you name it. And I've probably done something on it. It's always exciting. The great thing that's, you know, kept me going over the years, the ability to change and, and keep doing different stuff and, and maybe adding a different perspective because of that. When I started, we shot mostly black and white film because that's mostly what the newspapers ran and even magazines. And then as color became popular and I guess easier for them to print, you know, we we then had to carry cameras with black and white film on one shoulder and color film on the other shoulder and make a quick decision as to what which camera should I grab for this shot because we were shooting both. And then in the in the eighties it started moving into digital 
And uh, and I was I got involved in that early because Kodak hired me as a consultant for two years on because they were making digital things. They were making a digital scanner and and they they took a Nikon camera and made it digital. And I mean, they were very low, low res in those days, but you could sort of, and there was a very early version of Photoshop out that was very crude. And you could see, I could see the potential in that right away, but it, it wouldn't happen for, I don't know, probably another eight years. Because when I was doing advertising towards the late 80s and we were into the digital realm, sort of, I would have to go down to Dugal Photo in New York and look over the shoulder of an operator who was working on a million dollar Shimaseki computer. And I would tell her, okay, do this, do that. And then I'd go away and come back an hour later. You know, now with Photoshop, you know, I can take the digital image into the Photoshop immediately and work on it, like being in the dark room. I mean, I used to print a lot in the early days. I loved printing, but it was all black and white. I couldn't print color. It was too complicated, too expensive, too much of a mess, too many chemicals involved. I didn't, I didn't want anything to do with it. But now I could print color or black and white on my printer. I've got a big 24-inch printer sitting here next to the computer. And because of the files and the Photoshop and the layering system, I can do so much more work and come out with a better product than I ever could in a, in a wet lab because instead of dodging and burning with our hands, we used to make uh, take coat hangers and put a little piece of tape on them and kind of hold it in front of the, of the light from the enlarger to hold back the light. Or we'd use our hands in sort of a shadow puppet kind of thing and, and burn in somebody's face that was overexposed. Now I can do all that perfectly, controllably on uh, Photoshop. And if I don't like it, I can just go back and redo it. There's no damage done. So now the prints I make are fantastic compared to what I used to be able to do. And, and there's really not much difference. The only difference is basically the paper because I've taken... I've taken a negative and had a black and white print made. And then I've taken the same negative, which I have a file that I've processed and I've output a print and I have them side by side. And if you compare them side by side, there's a slight difference maybe in tonality because of the paper you use. And also because any work I've done on the negative digitally won't show up on the, on the one on the negative because that depended on the lab worker. There's a slight difference, but mine's superior. They've finally gotten the inks and the paper to where they will last probably as long or longer than a silver gelatin print. And if you take care of any print, it'll last, well, it'll certainly outlast your lifetime. Um, and that's, that's the whole thing about taking care of it because people don't seem to realize a black and white print, silver gelatin will fade also if it's exposed to strong sunlight because UV rays are damaging. I mean, just look what they do to your skin. I love digital printing and uh, that's kind of what I do now for my galleries to make prints. Excellent. You're listening to Moments That Rock with me, Tony Mike This Moments That Rock is part of the Pantheon group of podcasts. And who we have on today is Al Satterwhite, a photographer for many years, explaining the intricacies and how 
photography is Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. Evolved over the years. And of course, more on his rock photography after this. I've shot a fair amount of, of music over the years. I only did basically music on assignment. You know, a magazine or somebody, Rolling Stone or Zoo World or somebody assigned me to shoot it uh, because I was I was basically a photojournalist. So I was, you know, I was constantly going from one assignment to the next, wherever it was at. Um, and I really enjoyed it. I mean, I shot um, Stevie Wonder in 1974 well, I mean, I don't remember what their story was about, but I met up with them by the hotel pool and uh, we talked briefly and uh, I shot a few pictures, but I didn't like the light there. So we went over to the rehearsal studio where he was uh, rehearsing for an upcoming concert and he had his musician set up and his pianos in the foreground and it was really dark, which is typical in those days. And I had brought a small flash, but I knew it wasn't really going to work too well in there. And luckily, a friend of mine, another photographer, was there to shoot him also. But he was going to shoot him when I was finished. And he had a big, powerful AC strobe with him. So I asked him if I could borrow it. And graciously, he allowed me to do it. My story is on Stevie, so I aimed the lights at him. 
And I was able to put my super wide 15 millimeter lens right on top of the piano. So you have the keys in his hands in the foreground. And, and just to capture him in rehearsal, you know, he was just looked so joyous and having so much fun. Um, and those are kind of like my iconic images now. And the galleries sell them um, for a lot of money. <laughs> but it was it was just being able to be there, you know. And, and I mean, that's the great thing about photography. It's like you have to be there. I was there at a lot of things. And, and you're lucky depending on where you end up, you know, where your assignment is and what you get to do. It also depends on the on your subject, how much access they're willing to give you. Most of the people I've dealt with, you know, they understand that I'm there to make them look good. You want people to come along with you. You want you want them to be on your ride. You want to be on their ride. And and it works great. I mean, sometimes it gets into a real collaborative situation where people come up with ideas because they realize you're open to them. You know, I don't go in there and say, okay, I need a picture of you over here, and then I need one over there. It's kind of like talk to them for a little bit and figure out what's going on and what where we're at. And a lot of times it depends on the location. You know, sometimes you're stuck in a place that's not very user-friendly. I mean, I had, and this is kind of related to the music business, I had to shoot a story. I had to shoot some pictures of Ray Dolby for Fortune Magazine. And Dolby is the guy who invented Dolby Sound is in every CD, DVD, motion picture, everything nowadays controls the sound. So I didn't want to shoot him in the studio or the laboratory where he worked. And he was in San Francisco. So as soon as I got into town, I kind of checked out the local area. And a block away, I found a, a movie theater. So I went in and talked to the manager, told him what I was doing, asked him if he could you know, help me out, what, what I wanted. And he said, sure. So I went and got Dolby, and he was humble and gracious and a really nice guy. And he realized, okay, he, this guy's here from Fortune Magazine and doing a story on me. You know, I'll kind of do whatever he wants. So we went down the street. I told him what I wanted to do. We went down the street to the theater, and I, I bought a box of popcorn, and I sat him in the audience, and it's all these red upholstered chairs. And I gave him popcorn. I got up on the stage where the screen was at, and I photograph looking back down at him so here he is in the sea of red seats by himself which was a great color shot and then we went outside and it's dark by now so on the marquee whatever was playing under it they had in Dolby sound in fairly large letters so I had him stand under the sign with his box of popcorn I photographed him and got the sign up above him which is perfect because it says the story, you know, right there. And, and that's like my favorite photo. When the Stones did their benefit concert in L.A. after the Nicaragua earthquake, I was out there on another assignment. So I immediately called Time Magazine and got an assignment to cover that. So um, I was there or maybe half of the stone set. And then I had to race to the airport to catch a plane in New York. So I didn't get to see the whole set, but I shot, you know, color black and white. And actually I was just looking at proofs of that today because there's a book that uh, ACC Art Books is coming out with probably either later this year or next year. 
and it's uh, the Rolling Stones by, and I don't, I don't know how many photographers are involved in it. I'm one of several, um, and I have a section. Each photographer has a section. So my section is on the Stones at that concert, and I was just looking at the proofs to uh, make any adjustments they need. The great thing about editorial photography was you can do what you want because you're there by yourself. So, mm. you know, the editors give you an assignment, you know, like cover Rolling Stones, and it's kind of vague. <laughs> so you can focus on anything that, that seems like it would be interesting, you know, whether it's one aspect or every member of the band or just one person or what. Um, and that's what makes it great uh, from my point of view. And that's what always kept it you know, alive and interesting and exciting for me because I could basically go where I wanted and do what I wanted. It's only when you get into when I got into advertising where now, you know, they have had months of meetings and, and you get a piece of paper. And my job is to basically creatively convert that piece of paper into a piece of film. And sometimes it's a challenge and that's kind of what makes it interesting. But in the long run, it's not very creative and it's boring. And the only positive thing is to give you a boatload of money to do it. I find photos as an amazing promotional tool because I go back to my early days of growing up in my teenage years and picking an album out of a rack by a band I hadn't heard of. And it was the photo and the image and everything that drew me in that made me turn the album sleeve over. I always find that some of the greatest photos just stand the test of time. They, they just get better with years. Yeah, I mean, album covers were, I mean, I certainly liked looking at them, and some of them were strange, and it's like, what's this all about? And when I moved out to L.A. in the 70s, um, I was offered a few jobs by the record companies to shoot some albums, but they wanted, first of all, they wanted all rights, and I've, I've been a bug about my whole life about I own my rights, period, so I won't give them up. And they weren't paying much money. I mean, really, I am. we're talking back in the editorial days, like a couple hundred dollars a day, they were paying less than that. And it's like, oh, I don't think so. I have better things to do. So I kind of turned them down. I never really shot any record albums. I'm in a record store, you know, and it was back, still in the days when they had nothing but records, no CDs. And I'm flipping through the jazz albums and I pull up an image and it's my photo on the image, this jazz record. You know, that was used by somebody at the record company going through my uh, stock photo company, the Image Bank at the time, and finding an image they liked. Um, and so like another guy like Pete Turner used to shoot a lot of record albums or they would record albums would buy his photos because they were so different. You know, it was all color, but it was like really intense color. And, you know, with a record album, you want the image to stand out. just like with anything. You want it to be something that people are going to grab and look at, you know, that's the first step, get their attention. Nowadays, you, you're just allowed to photograph the first three numbers, aren't you? Oh, yeah. I was shooting a country singer when I was in Dallas. It was the first time I'd been to a music event in a, in a bunch of years. And like after three numbers, it was like, leave. And I went, what do you mean leave? It's like, no, you have to leave. And I went, no, I'm here working for, I don't know who I was. And we don't care, get out. You can't shoot a job in three numbers. It's like ludicrous. I mean, you want to you want to look for different angles. At some point, there became way too many photographers, and it was only if you had a connection, you know, with management or the band or somebody that you could actually get some access. 
And the whole key to photography is access. If you don't have it, you can't do it. So, you know, why bother? You know, although sometimes in assignments, we had to figure out a workaround because the assignment was, we need this image. So you have to be creative and figure out, you know, whether you're going to, you know, okay, I won't shoot him at the venue. I'll, you know, meet him up at the hotel and he'll be a little more relaxed or something and I can do something there. It's all about how can I make this guy look interesting? How can I make this person look nice, look, look great? I have a book come out in November. You can actually pre-order it on Amazon and a few other sites. It's called Al White Photography, uh, a five-decade retrospective. So it's basically 50 years of photography. And um, I'm still finishing up photos for it. Supposedly 400 pages, which is a lot of book. 50 years is a lot of years to cover in photography. So um, it should be interesting. So it's like different things. You know, I've gone from a boxer and a bodybuilder to a crazy writer, Hunter Thompson, who worked for Rolling Stone, to um, automo automobile racing, to whatever. You know, So for me, it's always interesting to be able to mix things up. You know, I don't want to be stuck in one bracket. Excellent stuff. You've been listening to Al Satawai on Moments at Rock. Al's a photographer for many years, covering all sorts of stuff, as you heard him say. But it's you know, really good to see that he actually made a point of owning all his own work. Because uh, record companies, being the evil brutes they can be, want to own everything so that they make money off other people's art for years and years and years to come. So good on you, Al, for doing that. And um, also the bit about when I asked him about um, the, f the first three numbers, which I always found was kind of ludicrous. Because if you th look at like some of the best photographs ever, like the Hendrix burning his guitar in the... Um, in the 1967, I think, at the Montreux Pop Festival. I mean, you don't put your guitar in the first three numbers, do you? So it's pretty obvious that, you know, as the set progresses, so does the, you know, the artist's performance and therefore the photographer. And, and you know, the ability to take great photos are always going to be later in the set. Anyway, I'm rambling. Um, thank you for listening. Subscribe and come back and listen to more Moments That Rock with me, Tony Michaelidis, part of the Pantheon group of podcasts. The podcast, not me. Well, I am, yeah. Bye. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.